Um, it's been a journey to get here today. Um, we were away in um, Mississippi for my grandfather's funeral, and um, we were doing everything we could do to get here. Um, we drove from Mississippi to Baton Rouge to travel um, to get here last night. And once we were in Baton Rouge, the flights um, to, in our connecting place, Dallas, because of storms, there were no flights coming in or out. Um, so we ended up finding out after being on a plane for two hours that we were to get off the plane, two and a half hours, deplane and wait for further news of when we could get there. Um, they, eventually there was really no further news and there, there was no way that we were going to get out of Dallas, even if we made it to Dallas, to get to you. So we took a drive or a ride um, about an hour and a half away to New Orleans, slept in the airport all night, got in the plane this morning at 6 something, 640. 6.40, to get to Los Angeles at 8.55, to get in the plane to get to you. I'm not saying it for your claps, but I'm trying to say whatever has been trying to keep you from purpose, what's your excuse? We come up with the lamest stuff. Most of us would have stopped that. I'm going home. God bless them. I'm going back to where my family is and I'm going to kick it and they're going to have to figure it out. But I believe that when God has ordained you to walk in what God has ordained you to do. No excuse is a worthy excuse. Y'all don't like what I said. I said no excuse is a worthy excuse. And if your leaders can press through for you, certainly you can follow the example to press through for what God has ordained for you to press through for. Now, I said it wasn't for the claps, but a whole bunch of y'all should have honored a whole lot better than what you did. Um, and so, amen. So we are happy to be here in the house of the Lord. Are you happy for your pastors to be here? Praise the man. All right. We made it. We made it. We made it. We made it. All right. We didn't shower, but we made it. Well, I didn't shower. <laughs> we said we slept in the airport. My God. Why y'all sound shocked? Wash them in the arm, put some wet wipes, glory to God, put some deodorant. Y'all like TMI. Amen. You know what you got to do. I told them, bring me some toothbrushes and some, you know, Listerine and, you know, and toothpaste to the church. So I don't, you know, stink breath when you're talking to the saints. Hey, hey. Amen. But it really is a strategic time um, for, for all nations. And I think that we've gone through different seasons of strategic times yes. um but you have to become indignant with anything that challenges the place that you are supposed to be in yeah. sometimes all god is looking for is somebody to fight with him wow. we have asked for him to fight for our purpose we've prayed for purpose and things like that but we're not even willing to fight with him and i dare you to fight with him for what he has for you amen today we start a new series called summer body yes now if you have not already started working on your summer body it's too late pumpkin okay so you if you ain't started working on your summer body 2020 gonna be your year you know what i mean <laughs> all right get you a one piece and an opaque cover-up okay no. 
Men of God, get your t-shirts, all right? Because this ain't your year. No. Um. <laughs> no, y'all know we ain't talking about that kind of body. We feel, um, and really movement-wide, we are actually uh, leaning into this, that the body of Christ, um, it's time for us to really focus on being intentional about becoming and growing as the body. And so we are going to be talking about what it looks like to be the body of Christ. And we're super excited about that. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 And this scripture, probably familiar with this scripture. My big pet peeve, though, is that people read the first two words and then just let it go. But y'all know we're not going to do that tonight, today. And it reads, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Thank you, guys. All right, we're about to go on the journey. How many of you ready to get this this day? You ready to go on the journey? Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to pay attention. And you've got to take great notes. Listen, it does not say do not judge. It says do not judge unless you're ready for the two-way mirror. So we leave it as, no, you should not judge. Actually, that's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is saying, if, if you're going to judge, if you're going to assess, be ready for the judging to come your way as well. Are y'all rocking with me today? Yeah. It doesn't say examine if you have a plank in your eye. It says you have one. It says that every one of us have a plank. Yeah. Every one of us has a flaw. Every one of us has an issue. Look at somebody and say, you too, you too. Every one of us has a plank. And I think what's been an issue in the body of Christ is oftentimes we have thought that we don't have planks. And that everybody else has planks. You cannot properly judge if you haven't examined yourself first. And examining yourself grows the muscle on how effectively you judge for restoration and yeah. not criticism. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. That we're not talking about when you're hearing this concept of, of judging or assessing. It's for this idea of restoration, not this idea that I'm going to criticize you and throw you away. And I think that's what people push away when they start thinking the word judge. And we are like, don't judge me. Don't, what we're saying is don't criticize me and throw me away. But it is proper for us to be able to walk in assessment with one another yeah. for the idea of restoration. Now, some of you are silent right now because you think you're just grown and nobody should be in your business. And that's why you've loved the judge, not scripture, because what you're saying is I do what I want to do. Stay out of my business. 
but I want to introduce you to the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is a family kingdom. And in a family, the appropriate way to do family is not the idea you just stay out of my business. And some of us are in the places we are now because we refuse to let people journey with us to be able to look at where we are, not for criticism, but for restoration. Not, not for the idea of throwing you away, but the idea of pulling you in. The scripture talks about um, looking at your own eye. Anybody, we've been taking a whole bunch of planes. But anybody remember when they give you the speech on the plane, what do they tell you? They tell you to put on your own mask first before you assist somebody else. And when you think that you're assisting somebody else without knowing it, you will yourself lose your own lifeline. Because you're busy trying to help the person next to you. And we think it's selfish, but it's proper. Because it gives you practice of examination. Nobody likes a hypocrite. We um, did a survey, I want to say like two years ago, as an outreach project. And we went out and we asked people what they don't like about the church. Now, first it threw people off a little bit. Because they were like, well... What do you mean? Aren't you a church? The like, church worldwide. Yeah. And so um, we were asking people just in the community, you've got to be willing to ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. If you are a church, you're building a church that's for the city, you need to know what's stopping the city from being in your church. So that is a good question. Because obviously there are, you know, I don't know, a couple of thousand people that have decided not to come inside of the church, a church. So the number one answer to that question was that the church is full of hypocrites. This was from people who had grown up in the church. This was from people who would admit that they are loosely familiar with the church. This is people who hadn't even been in church, but they were saying what was stopping them from going to church was hypocrites. This idea of a church hypocrite is really um, based on character and sin. So the way that they're judging that the church is full of hypocrites is that they see the character flaws that we have as well as the sin that the church people, according to them, are sometimes engaged in. And so when people have this perception of the church as hypocrites, it really is up to the church to fix that perception. We want to preach a message today entitled Jacked Up. Because, you know, we say it all the time here at All Nations that we are all. Meaning that every one of us has an issue. Every one of us is working through something. Every single one of us has a flaw. We want to further distinguish that today, that we are not just talking about sin, as Apostle Jaquette said, but we're mainly dealing with character. Because oftentimes when we think about hearing we are all jacked up, we equal to we all have sin issues or we have all sin things that we're working through. But not every character flaw is necessarily a sin. Some some character flaws are things that we are things are some things that we might not be um, in connected with in other people's lives is based on preference. So it's not something we would do or we would not do it in that way or what they do rubs us a certain way. But it doesn't mean that they're in sin. It just might be a flaw in their character. Here's the truth. Everyone is flawed. 
I know you sent me in a church today. Yeah, I was like, you got about five amens on that. Right, because it was strange what was happening in the room. Like, you don't know you flawed? It's like, a strong sense of pride. I mean, it's here. You flawed, homie. You, you have a problem. You have character issues. Yeah, appreciate you lifting up the hands. Appreciate you jumping and you hollering and you hallelujah. But you have character flaws. And if we don't, if we don't, if we're not honest about that, it makes it easier to criticize or to move in judgment without restoration. Yeah. It makes us easy to do that because you don't think you got a problem. Okay, let's keep Amen. All right. We got work to do today. I, yeah, I was like, we got we yeah. got work. We got some weeks. We got so some we going we, we gonna work through we it. gonna chisel away. Yeah. We're we, gonna get we gonna, gonna get to it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, all right. We sometimes hear about the body of Christ and we think about the gifts, right? So we talk about the body of Christ. Everybody has a part. You have a part, you have a part, but we often will focus on spiritual gifts. And so we say, oh, you know, you don't have to be the person on the stage. We need you. We need your gift here. We need your singing gift. We need your praying gift. We need your healing gift. And so we focus it on gifts. But you cannot be the body of Christ that accepts each other's gifts but rejects each other's character. You are still not being the body. Every one of us has a flaw that we are also bringing to the table. So I don't really honor your gift of healing. I don't really honor your gift of worship. I don't really honor your gift of giving if I cannot accept your character and who you are. Part of that value and honor is all of you, 100% of you. I can't honor your worship and reject your bad attitude. And we have to be faced with that because the truth be told, we all have a list of people that we think should have it all together. We think our parents should have it all together. We think that our pastors should have it all together. We think that the president should have it all together. We think that people of influence should have it all together. We think our boss should have it all together. And we think that because they are in the role or position that they are in, that we have this erroneous standard that we hold them to, which robs them of their ability to have any type of flaws. And this is why they fall so hard. It is unfair for us to make a list and then hold these people to the standard that they never agreed to. And that is the standard of perfection. It's not real. And here's the thing. Some of us do not ever get into the place of leadership or influence that we should be in because we think it's a flawless place. Yeah. God, want... So this is why you're not even doing what you're supposed to do in life because you think you can't do it because you got a flaw. But God didn't never present us like that and never. Have you studied the Bible recently, man? These folks had character issues. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't want to get off, Pastor. You can put me up. But, but I, I mean, Peter? Paul? David, hold behind? That's sin. Well, that's sin. You're right. 
But he had some character stuff too. He was yeah. he, he lied. Yeah, well, I guess that's sin too. But yeah, he had some issues. Yeah, definitely some strong issues. Yeah. And so we have to get rid of this invisible list because we would never publish the list. No. So no. the way that the list manifests is when you get overly upset with them when they let their character flaws show. So we never actually say out of our mouth, I expected you to be perfect. But when they don't meet the standard of perfect, you feel some kind of way. You even go as far as to think that they shouldn't be in that position because you saw their flaw. And that's how you know your invisible list exists. And so you don't want to admit it, but you're upset with your parent because they simply had a character flaw. And you have held them to 20, a 25-year, a 15-year sentence because they were born a human. And I'm not saying that you are only a human. You know, we don't even believe that here. We don't believe that here that you're only a human. But we do believe in the process of being perfected. And not perfect shine. We have flaws. We have, everybody say that. We have flaws. We have flaws. Come on, say it again. We have flaws. We have flaws. One of my flaws is that um, <laughs> I have, uh, <laughs> I'm about to say, I have, uh, I kind of manifest it right now. Uh, uh, one of my flaws is that I have poor follow through. Let me explain what I mean with that. I tell people, if, whoever gets into a personal relationship with me, before they get into a personal relationship with me, I tell them, hey, listen, you may text me, and I may not respond. But I tell everybody that's out the gate, if you're going to have a personal relationship with me, I say, hey, you might text me, and I may not respond. If I don't respond, text me again and be like, hey, I text you, and you ain't say nothing. And then it, when I, if I don't respond to that text... Like, when you see me, be like, hey, I text you twice, and you didn't say nothing. So I say that to them out front, and I say to them, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying it's me. And if you're going to have a relationship with me, you got to deal with where I'm at. I'm not saying I'm going to always be there, but that's where I am right now. And that's my flaw. So then it confuses me when people get into a place, then later they see it. I'm like, I told you that from out the gate. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> so, told you that from the beginning. So you offended about something that you already knew. Bless you. So, so it's important that you, that's, that's one of my flaws. Amen. What you got? You got a... <laughs> Since we telling it, I would say one of my biggest flaws is that I have a very short tolerance <clears throat> for ignorance. I have to admit that I am a teacher and I do believe in stupid questions. They do exist, huh? Like, y'all know how y'all be like, no question is a dumb question. No. I feel... That there are dumb questions. And sometimes when people ask questions, I want to say that was dumb. That was a dumb question. And it's not, it's not just, because I don't want y'all to think this is like, oh, that's not that bad. No, it's bad. It's bad. Like, I literally want to not say anything 
to some people again because they are so ignorant. I'm just letting y'all know so y'all don't think this is regular. Like, oh, everybody has a problem with ignorance. No, I'm saying this is something I need to work on. Because it makes me so perturbed. Like, I am chocolate, but I will turn red with frustration. You are not Because chocolate. I'm like, how stupid. I'm chocolate. No, you're like um, caramel. You like the stuff inside the snicker. I'm the outside of the snicker. <laughs> Anyway, I don't have time. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. And so, and I realized, and the, the sad thing about it is I'm called to that office. Right. I am called to help people with their ignorance, but I just want to cut them off so bad. Like, there's a limit. Like, you know how you're supposed to have, like, long suffering? Mm-mm. I got like short suffering when it comes to ignorance. And so it gets me in this position where I cannot help the people that I am called to very often because my character needs to be shaped in a way to um, expand the patience that I have for oftentimes the people that I'm called to. And so, amen. And, and then it sometimes falls over into a little judging too. So yeah, amen. I have another one. So, I get very angry at the sight of incompetence. Like, very angry, like, like, um, like, I will, I, in the past, I have thrown things across the room in meetings. I have used the word damn in hell very frequently. Y'all don't consider that bad because y'all say other stuff. I probably may have, I've said a couple other words too, but there's, in a staff meeting, I have, like, I have, it's real. It's, I'm not, like, y'all wouldn't know this, but no, it's, it's real. And my staff will tell you, like, at, at the site, if, if it's a strong enough era of incompetence, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm going to go off. And, um, and I'm working on it. And I've gotten a lot better. I stopped throwing. But you didn't stop cursing. I did not stop cursing. Not yet. Not yet. And um, so pray for me. Some stuff I'm just like, that was just the stupidest thing you could have ever done. I don't understand why you did it. I'm sick of this, you know. Like y'all, some of y'all want to leave. And you can leave because you wanted a pastor that had no flaws. And you can exit. I can't do it for you. But... But I'm just telling you the truth. And I know you would like to, in your head, think that, you know, I just don't ever do that. No, I do. Amen. That's okay. Amen. Um, let me see. What will I pick next? I got a list. Um, I would probably say, we'll get off the ignorance thing. Um, I come across as lacking compassion. Amen. And it's, tr it's true. So when it happens, yes. what, is hap what happens is that sometimes my problem-solving nature mm -hmm. comes across as not having compassion. So I got to remind myself to rewind and address the situation where I need to show compassion and not just switch into problem-solving problem -solving mode, right? 
So people are like, you know, oh, you know, my car broke down. I don't have no money to fix it. I'm on the side of the road. I'ma be late, like whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, do you have the Uber app? Right, let's fix the problem. Yeah, right, but you can see how that could come across as like really, you know, not compassionate. And if I be honest, because people will say like, well, well, we know you care. No, sometimes though. I'm being honest. Sometimes I really am like, no, I don't really care what happened because you still have something to do. And so I jump like all the way into problem solving mode. So people would be like, you know, this is what happened. This is what went down. And I'm like, okay, well then can you X, Y, Z? Right? So, you know, even like last night, I wasn't like, you know, feeling sorry for myself and everything like that. I'm like, okay, well, let's get on the app. Let's do this. Let's do that. People was like breaking down in the airport. And I'm like, pull yourself together. Like, you know. They were tripping hard. Yeah, dude. they're like cursing at the TSA lady. And then one lady got in an argument with her daughter. And they was arguing with each other and stuff like that. I had no compassion, like zero, like this much compassion for them. And so... <laughs> I'm working on it. So, but like my compassion on meter will go out of the window if I feel that there's something that could be solved. Now, if it was like a death or something like that, if it can't be solved, I don't usually go into that mode. But that usually is the mode that I go into. And it, you know, it shows a lack of of compassion for people's person um, and what they're and what they're going through. So it's it's kind of bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm going to work on it. Yeah. And the list goes on. We yeah, haven't shared us. all today. That's enough yeah, for today. Like, so, yeah, so we'll continue to share. <laughs> because I think sometimes you hear messages or you hear different things. And um, especially if we're talking in like um, third person and not first person, you can feel as if um, the people have arrived. And we'll talk about what some of the challenges are when you have this kind of culture in a church and how it can be detrimental to the body and what we're building. But we definitely didn't want to come up here and say, like, everybody's flawed without being very, very clear that when we say everybody, we mean everybody. And we can do a bless and release service right now if that bothers you. I don't think you guys understood what she means. So if it bothers you that your pastors have flaws and that makes you not want to go here anymore, I just need you to raise your hand. We will bless you and release you. We can have a bless and release ceremony right now. I don't know where you're going to go. But I will release you from uh, sitting under this, if that bothers you. But enough talk about us. Enough talk about us. We did enough. It's your turn. Yeah. You ready? I mean, because y'all out there looking judgy. I, I mean, I felt people. I mean, it was proverbial rocks being thrown at me, especially when I said I cussed in meetings. I felt it. It came right I here. mean, just judgy. I felt it. Ooh, here's a character flaw. Disorderly. That is a character flaw. If when you walk home today, you would step on drawers, dishes, 
and other things that do not belong on the floor, as in a rug, then you lack order. It's a character flaw. You are withdrawn. I mean, people can speak to you, people can hug you, people can love you, and no matter what, you stank face, straight face, you can't even hug back. You just stand there like this. People ask you how you doing, you can't barely even respond. You don't trust anybody, why? Because you are just completely withdrawn and disconnected. You was talking about me, so I'm coming for you. You are absolutely spoiled. So, yeah, you think that everything should go your way. And then when it doesn't go your way, it's a full a whole fit. two-year-old tantrum. A whole fit. You manipulate emotionally you got, until you, you get it. You got that one. You spoiled, too. Your mama. Oh, you know no, you I'm spoiled. Sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> just playing. I love your mama. I wasn't saying it. It just came out so freely like that, too. She's sitting right here, too. She's not. <laughs> She's not spoiled. <laughs> No. Your dad spoils his women. <laughs> this is regular routine between us, so please do not. This is how it goes on in my house. It happens. <laughs> I have one. How about a character flaw of being callous? Everything. You're just so hard. Just callous. Just can't break through. Something good happens, you wait for it to go bad. Something good happens, and you just so burnt on life, it's like, oh, it's too good to be true. Like, what does that Ooh, statement even mean? Hey, you got a centimeter. So you, you said this already? You're measuring the sin of others. That is a character flaw. You are temperamental. So life is 100% great today, and tomorrow, everything's going bad. Nothing is great. Life is coming to an end. And then the next day, you meet somebody, and you're like, oh, we're in 100% bliss. And then the next day, y'all getting a divorce. You never even got married. I mean, whatever it is, you're just temperamental. Everything like rocks your entire world. You are timid. Instead of speaking up and saying what you need to say, you always back up. Yep. And you call it being shy. When it gets in the way of what you need to accomplish as an individual, timidity is a character flaw. All right? You are a flirt. Straight up. You flirt for no reason. You flirt when you don't even want the person. You think they're ugly and you flirt. Like, you're not even trying to get anything accomplished. You're just flirting. And then you got a trail of Google eyes behind you and can't figure out why. We 
We're just talking about flaws. We're just talking about character flaws. You are reckless in your communication, in your actions, in your disposition. You're reckless. So you just leave a train of bodies all in front of you. And you just walk over them and say, figure it out. You are gullible. Just gullible. I mean, believe any old thing. Will run for any old scheme. I mean, just gullible. People will say the dumbest stuff to you. you just like, okay. And then you go repeat it to somebody else. And we looking like, what? I mean, just gullible. I cannot. I cannot. You're indecisive. You're vegan one day, vegetarian the next day. The next day, I'm a carnivore. I love me. Like you, you just. Then you being led by the Lord. The Lord. That's my favorite. Yeah. When the Lord leads the you. The Lord down. leads you in all those places too. But then you make him look indecisive too. You're over ambitious. You bite off more than you can chew. You say yes, 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 and you follow through with no, 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 poor, 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 poor. Sometimes, sometimes, and then a couple of yeses. But you're over ambitious, so people love to ask you stuff because you always say yes, but then it always ends in turmoil because you bit off too much. You're nosy. Just nosy. You don't have enough business of your own, so then you get into everybody else's business. Like, how do you know my whole schedule, but you don't keep a schedule? You drop information and conversations just to seem like you're in the know. Stuff that has nothing to do with you, and you just be dropping information. You're paranoid. It's a character flaw. To be paranoid. Why are they so nice? Wait a minute. They asked me how I was doing. Like, what does that mean? Right. I'm getting called into a meeting. Why? Hey, I just got called into a meeting. Why? When we were praying, the person prayed with me for five minutes, but the person next to me only got prayed for two minutes. Why? It's too much. Everybody stopped talking when I came in the room. Why? Is it because I'm black? Is it because I'm white? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm new? Is it? Why? You're predictable. And, and the balance of that is that some predictability is good as it relates to building your lifestyle, but then you cannot follow the pattern of God if you want everything to be predictable in your life. Because God will jack up predictability. So holding on to that is a character flaw. Yep. You are sarcastic. A smart aleck to your detriment. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am working on it, guys. But I kid you not. I got about 10 comebacks for everything. I'm like, dee, 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 dee. let me scroll through my Rolodex. No. <laughs> You're childish. Just a whole baby. It's like the maturity is not there. Just, yeah. Everything's a kitty moment. Everything's a joke. Everything's a game. You take nothing seriously. Yep. And what about this one? This one fits right now. You are humorless. 
We've said some stuff, and these, some of these people ain't cracked a smile. I mean. Not one smile. You just have no sense of humor. None. Like, at all. Nothing's funny. <laughs> That's bad for your body. It is. Laughing is medicine for your soul. That's you need scripture. it. Laugh a little bit. Get a little joy in your belly. Come on. Something's funny. Jeez. You're attention-seeking. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You just do stuff just so the room can look at you. Yep. You come in a room. You get real quiet. Don't say nothing. Why? So somebody can ask you. What's wrong? Instead of just walking in and saying what's wrong, you put yourself in positions to get that attention. Like you don't come to her on purpose so somebody asks you what happened last night. You should not look like your yesterday. I don't look like my yesterday. Listen. Can't tell I slept in an airport. Listen. <laughs> Listen, here's the important part of all of this. Why do we go through all of that? Because we want you to know that perfection culture hinders building real community. You cannot have community if there's a culture of being perfect or trying to act as if you are. Yeah. If you desire to see that, you're stopping the real connections from happening. And you'll miss out on relationships if you can't accept people, flaws and all. Yes. Many have experienced the aftermath of an, of an expected perfection culture. Yeah. You, you've experienced that. that like in, in a place where people expect you to be perfect, you show your flaw, and then once that flaw is shown, then people won't talk to you no more. Yeah. We say silly stuff like, I can't be your friend if you're dealing with that. It's, what, what is it? We forgetting about the plank. Yeah. 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 In your eye. So when you're building real community, Listen to me, you, if, if you have friends, if you have community, even inside of a church context, that's acting as if they have no flaws, then that's fake and it's not real. Yeah. So your connection is even not a real connection. Yeah. So if all I do is worship with you and can never see any of your flaws because you're hiding it, then we don't have real community. Y'all, your demons is fighting this so strong. I see some of y'all looking at me like, I will kill you right now, Apostle. And, and, I, and, I, and I am telling you, I am telling you without a shadow of a doubt that a bunch of you think you got community and not that it's not real in this church, but you don't have it because you haven't shown your flaws because you've been hiding yourself. Now look at your neighbor that look like they're irritated by this word and say, show your flaw. We should have made him stand up on the list. My God, we should have. We should have made him stand up on, on the list. We should have had you stand up on that list. Matter of fact, just turn to your neighbor right now and tell him one thing that's wrong with you. Tell him right now. Do it. All of you. Daryl and tell him. Open your mouth. <laughs> tell him. All right, good. Good. Good job, class. All right, loosen up the room a little bit. Amen. So we, amen. We all got flaws. Amen. All right, so here it is. So what, what does, listen up, what does perfection culture look like? 
Yeah. What does perfection culture look like? Yeah, because we've mentioned we've mentioned that term of perfection culture, and we are thinking about perfection culture in a sense that that's what's expected. So when perfection is expected, it becomes a culture or an understanding of a house, whether it's a local body or the church body as a unit as a whole. And for the most part, the world has an expected perfection culture, but not just the world. Inside, we have that expectation as well, which is why we say things like, well, they're a Christian, so I expected more. Or, well, there are this, so I expected more. Well, I didn't expect for something like that to happen to me in a church. That's perfection culture. You expect it to be met with perfection. I think it's very interesting because the scripture talks about the speck in somebody else's eye, but the plank in your eye, which means that If you are looking outside, before you look inside, your speck actually turns into a plank. What does perfection culture look like? Because we see the effects of it. It means that people quit on each other. Quickly. That's how you know that you have been operating in a perfection culture. It's that you quickly quit on people. Because if you expected them to be flawed, why are you so quick to quit? Perfection culture breeds dishonesty about where you are. The truth is you're a liar. The truth is you're childish. The truth is you're petty. The truth is you're needy. The truth is you sleep around. The truth is you steal. The truth is that you are violent. But perfection culture tells you to be dishonest about where you are. And so even when people ask you how you are, perfection culture makes you say good. Because that's what's expected. Perfection culture breeds perpetual disappointment. You stay disappointed because your standard is perfection. So you remain disappointed. This is why church hurt is a perpetual cycle for you. You are constantly being hurt because your expectation is uncalibrated. And so because your expectations have gone uncalibrated, you stay disappointed. This is so good. Oh, I just, I mean, I just didn't expect it to be like that. Oh, I just didn't expect them to say that. I didn't expect them to do that. I didn't expect it to be like that. Because you have perfection as your gauge. In a perfection culture, it breeds uh, lack of forgiveness. It's so hard for you to forgive because you expected perfection. And so when it comes to forgiveness, you are so leery to forgive because they've fallen so far from grace. And so because of that, you move into holding a grudge. Yeah. In perfection culture, you don't, you're not able to move forward. Yeah. You're not able to move forward. I had to confront people I love yesterday with something, and I know many of them think today I'm mad because I confronted them with something yesterday. But see, the way my heart works, I can say what I need to say, 
and move on. So I walked in this morning, good morning, and it was genuine. Nothing was in me because I got it out of me. Are you, are you, are you rocking with me today? Holding that grudge is this idea that everybody was supposed to be perfect around you. Right, right. It breeds this idea of uh, uh, the inability to see new opportunities with the same people in situations. Yep. So we think that I can't move into something new with you. I got to have a continual cycle of new people. Versus being able to deal with the flaws of those that are with me and together, let's walk into new opportunities. But I think new opportunity, I got to exchange friends. And that's why some of you don't have, so, don't have long-lasting friendships. Because you feel like you got to change them out. Like you, change your, like you should change your draws. What's the next thing? <laughs> Perfection culture. Some of y'all look like, look at your neighbor like, are you bored? Ask him, are you bored? <laughs> this is interesting. Here, here's, here's, here's the next thing. Here's this. It, it breathes denial of God's transforming power. So it's like this idea that I, I, I expect perfection so I can't even see people be changed by the power of God yep. to come into something new because I'm holding them to what they were. Yeah. Is this helping anybody today? Yeah. And we're not talking about lowering your standards for godliness. Nope. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about not being devastated when people manifest signs that they are still being perfected there is a difference between temporary disappointment and frustration and perpetual devastation one is a place you live the other is a place you visit it's so good when i go on a trip i go i pack my bags and i come back some of you all go on trips and never return to base you stay out there on the ledge holding all of your baggage, everything that happened to you and everything about the entire situation and you never go back to home base. What is home base? The body in its truest sense. A group of imperfect people that are being transformed every single day and we extend grace upon grace upon yes. grace upon yes. grace upon grace on each other. Why? Because it's as we receive it. We're not talking about allowing yourself to be mistreated. No. That's what people go to. Well, I'm not going to be mistreated. I, that's just, I mean, you can talk about flaws, but I'm just not going to be mistreated. Why? I'm sorry, you're above Jesus? Or why not? Why can't you be mistreated? Like, that's not what I'm saying. But why can't you be mistreated? Wasn't he? You call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a disciple. You say you want to look like him. Then you should look mistreated. All I can do is teach you to follow him in all of his ways. 
And what was his response? That's the key. To the mistreatment. What was his response? He had enough faith in his God. He had enough faith in the transforming power of his sacrifice. He had enough faith in the body, yes. in the local body, in the body of people that once his heart was shared by way of sacrifice, that it would be received enough to improve the status, the character, and the very being of who you are. Yeah. He believed that through that sacrifice that all old things would pass away yes. and behold, yes. all things will become new. And so it's not that you are mistreated and you stay in that way and you just accept it and let people dump on you, but you pour on the sacrifice of the one who you follow and you say you want to be like and you take that mistreatment and you submit that mistreatment and you pray Lord forgive them for they know not what they do and you begin to intercede for them and you begin to be the body that prays for each other and you begin to be the body that stands in the gap for each other and you begin to be the body that covers each other that covers each other that covers each other that prefers each other over themselves you begin to be the body that says I see God in you and because I see God in you, he's bigger than any flaw. He's bigger than any wrong. He's bigger than any mistreatment. He's bigger than any devastation. And out of that place, I pour compassion on you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Stay there. Bible says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. This is where we're closing. Put it up on the screen for me. Ephesians 2.19. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizen with the saints and are God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, and whom the whole building being fit together yeah. is growing. Listen to this. The body, it's, it, it has not come to its, to, its, to its fullest potential. It's growing. Somebody holler back, it's growing. It's growing. Yeah, yeah. so, so, so the, being, being the whole building is fitted together, grows into a holy temple. There's a process. There's a journey. That I'm going to stick in as the body as we are being perfected to look the way that God intended for us to look. Yeah. I'm not going to look for perfection, but I'm going to lean into allowing Jesus to perfect you. To take you through the process. To mature you. To grow you. To lift you up. And I'm not going to drop you because you're in your process. And I'm not going to cast you aside because you're in a journey. And I'm not going to push you away because you have flaws. But I'm going to accept you flaws and all. If God accepts you flaws and all, I accept you flaws and all. If God loves you flaws and all, I love you flaws and all. And it doesn't mean we can't be friends. And it doesn't mean we can't do life together. And it doesn't mean you need to be cast away. And it doesn't mean that I can't stick with you. But even in the midst of your flaws, I